Hello and welcome back to Behind the Bites. I know that we've been missing for, I don't know, like a few quarters, a few years, a few decades. Feels very, very, yeah. very long ago since <laughs> we kind of got together. But uh, I'm glad we're kind of doing this again. Hello, gentlemen. I've got Danish and Mike with me. Hello. Hi. It's uh, good to be back. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, the reason we stopped was Mike moved away to um, some Scandinavian country, you know, enjoying the good weather out there. Uh, yes. He's not back in Dubai. He's still enjoying his weather. But you know what? We found a way where VOIP suddenly works in the UAE now. Yes. And that's but don't tell any. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, that's all right. We only have two subscribers, so it's fine. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be much of an issue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, yeah. I think one of them is me. So, you know, we're, I think we're pretty safe on that end. Right on. All right, excellent. So uh, let's just kind of jump back into it. Uh, we've, you know, we've been gone for a while, but tech has sort of kept moving. Um, mm-hmm. You know, new phones, new laptops, new operating, no, no not, not new operating systems, new phones, new laptops, new gadgets, all of that. Let's just kind of jump into, you know, some of the topics that we have for us. Mike, what's on the agenda? What shall we start with? Yeah, well, so, I mean, okay. So something that I've seen, I'm a little bit removed from uh, the world of consumer tech because my, my new role is uh, slightly different. But there's, you know, certain things that filter through. And obviously, you know, I, I read all of your stellar work, gentlemen, still. Um, Thank but, you. Uh, but there's things that filter through and sort of to the zeitgeist of, I guess, you know, you know, your average everyday consumer. And one of those big things tends to be this whole fad of foldable phones and this kind of arc that they've been on over the last, what, like six months or a little bit longer now, where it's like there was a lot of hype and then it all came crashing down when it stopped working, <laughs> uh, when they started to break in reviewers' hands. Uh, and now and now Samsung's finally starting to roll them out again. Uh, and I, I've seen that you guys have had a bit of hands time. So and as a, po- uh, a subject that you posed, Abbas, as to whether the um, foldable phones are the future. So I don't know if, uh, sure. if your thoughts are on this. No, absolutely. So I think um, Samsung started sort of just hinting at this technology almost, I don't know, six, seven, eight years back or something. Is I remember when Samsung had a developer conference and they showed the first foldable screen. It wasn't a phone yet. It wasn't a product yet. It was just a foldable screen that they had started working on. And then obviously it took them a while to sort of get the end product ready. And, you know, I'm kind of glad that they did send out those review units to reviewers who could find out what was wrong with their implementation before it went out into, you know, the end user's hands. Uh, So I think both Danish and I have the modified version of it, the second generation. So you guys didn't, you didn't get, you weren't privy to the original, like that first release that was broken, right? Like that didn't come in the middle. Yeah. Okay. No, not at all. But we did did see it though. Okay. I saw it. I never touched it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I can understand why they wouldn't touch it. <laughs> so I saw exactly. it, and I mean, it's it's like a, like Abbas said. I, I do agree with the fact that it's really good that um, it did come out. There were problems. Samsung accepted it and moved on with it. But um, I also do find it weird that a company like Samsung didn't see those gaps themselves. Um, whether it literally were physical gaps in the phone or that weird screen protector thing that people removed. Um, it, it was weird that they didn't see that themselves, but I guess um, that, that's how it works with something first generation. 
Maybe yeah. so. I think that screen protector should have definitely been seen, you know, like literally like when I saw them with reviewers and them were still on, I'm like, why is the screen protector still on? I would have definitely tried to remove that. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure you, how yes. that kind of, yeah, how that kind of just fell through the QA team and, you know, didn't get hidden under the bezel, bezels or whatever else. It but is odd because what? it's like, Fine. are they cutting, are they cutting corners in the QA process? Is this what it it's it's symptomatic of because you can't imagine that they are right like qa is very important and these things you know take a long time before they come to market as you said right so what but you know if it was just a one or two cases where they these phones were having issues then it would have been less of less dramatic but it seemed like pretty much every other phone was having some kind of hinge breaking or you know people were trying to peel off the screen protectors and i'm just really surprised that it it got past the QA department. I mean, Samsung, you know, they make phones, they test phones, right? Like, uh, well, okay, the, exactly. barring, the note, barring the Note 7, uh, which is also <laughs> a disaster. Um, so may, maybe there's something there. I've just said, maybe there is something wrong with the QA department. Exactly. Maybe they need to kind of look into, you know, just uh, shifting the QA out of Korea and maybe into some other yeah. countries where the air is more polluted, people are just, a bit more... Know, prone to removing screen. To yeah. <laughs> that that would be ideal. Um, but no, as a phone itself, as a tech itself, I think it's fantastic. I can easily see this sort of filling in the gap until we move to, I don't know, AR glasses where, you know, the phone, everything's in our glasses kind of stuff. But I definitely see this as the next stepping stone for phones to high-end phones. I don't think uh, medium or low-end phones are going to move anywhere. But I think on the premium side of things, yes, I, I, I kind of do see a future for foldables. Uh, I would love it if Apple does something like that. If they do, they'll probably wait for the next two to three years, or I don't know if their glasses get ready before that. They might skip this too, uh, so, rumors so of what, which are that we might see one. What is the ideal use case for this then that you that you feel? Because I mean, for, for me, from my perspective, and you guys know this, but before, you know, when we were doing it, when they were sort of rumoring these phones, I, I was mm -hmm. immediately skeptical. It's not for me. Um, Sure. I think they look chunky. Yeah. Mainly, they won't fit in my front pocket because the thing looks like a—I don't know—like a pencil case. Um, but, but I, as as time has passed and you know your impressions have come out, videos and things like that, it's now available here in Norway. I, you know, I'm I'm looking at it. I'm looking at, maybe, maybe. I mean, I definitely know yeah. not to because it's a Gen One product and it costs a fucking fortune. Excuse my French, Absolutely. but. Uh, but so um, Danish will definitely talk to you about the pocketability part of it. He, you know, actually yeah. did something around that. Uh, but, you know, as soon as you open that and that screen in front of you, that massive big screen when you unfold it, it's just unbelievable. It's something that, you know, just mesmerizes you. It's unlike any other phone screen that we've seen. Yes, we've got tablets and stuff, but then folding it back, putting it in your pocket, you know, just moving with it. Uh, I think it's just phenomenal. It's not there yet as a product. I think the front screen yeah. for my aging eyes is too small. Like, you know, if I try to increase the font size outside, then inside it just becomes massive. So they kind of need uh. to sort out uh, having different font sizes and screen scaling outside versus inside. I think that's something that they could do through software. But at the moment, that's not the case. And, you know, mine has just ended up in a drawer purely because of that. Because while I'm driving, while I'm walking, the phone is in a folded state. It's not in an unfolded state. Of course, when right. I'm sitting down somewhere, when I'm in bed, yes, fine, I can unfold it and, you know, use it for its full potential. But that closed state needs a little bit of tinkering, which I think the Huawei could help with, but let's talk about it a little bit later. Let's talk about the pocketability aspect of it from Danish first. 
So um, the pocketability thing, Mike, is actually pretty funny that you say that because even I constantly thought about that um, before we kind of had the phones in our hands. But the funny thing about the pocketability is now if you have a regular smartphone in front of you right now, all right, and I'm going to say a slightly larger one, your your Excel sizes, your uh, Pro yeah. sizes, and so on and so forth, there's, there's a whole width, right, in your pocket. Like it's a wide object, bigger than what's supposed to be in your pocket. When right. it comes to the fold and it's folded in, first and foremost, the thing is about two-thirds the, the width of a regular phone. Right, I see. Therefore, it so, doesn't have that wide stretch inside your pocket. It does have skinnier. the height. Yes, it's much skinnier. But yes, it does have the height because it's basically two phones put together. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's like, in a weird way, um, the easiest way I can say it is that they're both odd in the pocket, but in different right. ways. So while a regular smartphone irritates you with width, this one irritates you with height. I see. So it's like, a, is, that a, is that a foldable phone in your pocket or are you just happy to see me kind of scenario? <laughs> yes, exactly. And funny enough, I was telling Abbas this, that's the one reason I removed that whole paragraph that I just said. I wrote it as a paragraph with words as girth and thickness in, yeah. in my review. And I was like, yeah, no, no, yeah, this isn't enough. going in, no way. Yeah, no way. I, I would have kept it in a <laughs> <laughs> No, man. Your, editors, your right. editors may have been a little bit different. So. <laughs> um, but when it comes to what Abbas was talking about in terms of functionality, I agree 100%. I mean, the front screen is too small. I personally have managed with it, um, but it's just too small. Um, there's a lot needed on the software aspect. So, like, funny enough, Apple Music's update just came out, and I don't know if it's specifically for the Fold, but like it looks beautiful. They've used the entire screen real estate, um, and like. Sorry, did you say Apple Music? Yes. Oh, for for oh for uh, Android, that's cool. Like I I didn't realize that they would care enough to do to do. <laughs> Something like that. The update came out a few days ago, and the play and pause was on one side, and um, they basically used the entire screen real estate, which I really, really liked. Cool. One huge app that hasn't done it, which was a big problem for me, was Instagram. So yeah. Instagram, for example, in the small screen is too long and doesn't fit the width. So a caption's text is cut off. Oh, I see. And when it's opened up, a story, the top and the bottom of the story are cut off. So like, it's not a square, but it's a little bigger than a square when it's vertical. So this this side of the software, if the so if the apps don't get on board fast enough, mm. it's going to be irritating. But is that this an Android said, thing though, or is this is this the actual apps themselves? No, the apps themselves have to develop it, right? Right. And the 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 part which I'm worried about, or rather. I feel like apps will begin to ignore this is because if we start talking about other brands, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if we take three brands as an example, Samsung, Huawei, and Xiaomi, these three brands are going about foldable phones very differently. So Xiaomi is going to have a double flip on both sides. Oh, right. uh, like a book or something. Yeah. Huawei is going to have uh, the, the, the one-sided flip from the left side. Mm. Um, you know things like that. So these apps, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be like, hey, like let the OEMs decide which format it works for them, and then we'll look at this. Because like now, November thirteenth, we've got we've got Motorola's flip phone as well coming around. So 
I feel that that is where apps might get a little confused on how to go ahead with this development. But remember, Danish, that when Singh was talking about the Fold, it had said that it's working with Google on Android 10 to make a foldable sort of like a part of the whole UI. So yeah. all yeah. the apps kind of scale to it. So I think it's just a little bit of work that's required from all of these guys to make sure there's a standard for foldables and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it just automatically, the U, you know, the UI just itself to the app scaling and stuff yep. like that. Yeah, Inst I've... Instagram's always been a problem child. I mean, even I remember there were some other phones that we were testing previously with odd aspect ratios and mm -hmm. on Android, Instagram would always either not show some part or get cut off or whatever, but then that got sorted, you know. Yeah, I seem to remember some of the larger, like the Mate 9 or something from the Huawei had some issues or yeah there was some exactly things. or like yep. when samsung started getting like the cornered screens there was some drop off or something yes exactly yes when bezels yeah. exactly exactly uh, or notches so not notches <laughs> thank god that's disappeared um well actually no the fold also has a notch oh yeah right on. yep <laughs> That's just all, all the things. So can you imagine the guys at Android being like, oh, what, what are we supposed to do? You folded phones, you're putting notches in, you just want to make a rectangular operating system. But yeah. yeah but man, look, I, I, I guess it... Sorry, go on. I was saying, I guess it does get confusing for them, right? That's exactly what I'm talking about. What it, that, that when, if you look at previous, exactly how you guys are saying, if you look at the, the, the way things have happened and how long development takes, with, especially with Android, that's where my worry comes in. Because let's be honest, we know for a fact, and this is Apple's advantage, that when Apple does this, they'll have one phone, they'll have one way that it flips and that's it. Sorry, unfolds and that's it. But when it comes to these guys, Android has the confusion of each OEM trying their own thing. Like, for example, now there's a rumor that uh, Samsung has a patent for a Z fold. So it folds in, in the form of a Z. And that's a whole other story. So I feel that's where the problem will come in. Because as long as software problems exist, people will not adopt fast enough. Yeah, because they're too busy building things for, you know, Samsung, regular Samsung phones and iPhones. Yeah. Because that's where the money, like that's, you know, you got to go where the, where, the, where the user base is, right? Like the, you know, as nice as these devices are, they're not going to be enough people using them to maybe justify the resources to actually yep. uh, make the, the uh, format the apps to the right way. Um, however, I, I appreciate that you guys are both very bullish on this. I think it's cool. I'm slowly coming around to it. I mean, the, I, the Huawei one looks actually really nice. I don't know if you guys have so had any I time think with that. Having or... used uh, the Galaxy Fold for a while, yeah. I think Huawei's got a better implementation. Now, I don't yeah. know how, uh, you know, protecting that flex. It's not a glass screen, right? Now you've got a plastic screen right. on top. Right. So as long as they can make sure that screen doesn't crack or scratch easily, I think I prefer Huawei's implementation yeah. over, over the Fold. So Abbas, if you if you remember when you saw the, the last time when you saw the Huawei Mate X, right? Mm -hmm. So yep. I've seen the new one, okay? Mm -hmm. And they've done certain things which I'm actually worried about. One, of course, and since the first Mate X, my worry has been how to protect the screen. Like I don't see right. that happening. I just don't because if you look at fold users, fold users who've blatantly been roughed with their phones, they already have a bit of damage on their devices, scratches, dents on the screen, yep. which you can't do anything about, right? But 
when it comes to the Huawei, I mean, Huawei is apparently going to give, so there was a recent rumor, uh, not rumored, leaked video where um, it showed that the phone is going to come in the retail box with like a little sleeve. You know how we used to have like, I don't know, five, seven years ago, just little, small little sleeves to put the phone in and out. I don't know how that's ah. going to protect it. That being right. said, okay. in its folded form, I feel that it has the exact opposite issue of um, the Samsung Fold, which is that I feel that in its regular smartphone format, it's so big that I don't know how many times I'd actually unfold it. Like, for example, if I was quickly reading a mail or I was just reading an article or watching a video, I don't know how many times I'd actually unfold it and be like, okay, this is important enough that I need that full screen real estate. So, But Chizan, I, I, that for me is the better use case scenario for a fold where you are using the front screen most of the time and only when you need that extra space is when you unfold it versus on the Samsung where literally every single time I have to unfold it and then curse at the small screen on the front. I would yeah. much prefer <laughs> the Huawei implementation. You know? So, I mean, I mean, this is the use, this is sort of the use case for like smartwatches, right? It's this secondary device almost that lets you d make a judgment call as to whether you want to, uh, to then use the full device in order to do an interaction. Right. So, that, I mean, yeah, maybe they're cannibalizing their smartwatch market. Who knows? <laughs> yep. No, but I, I there's I also. also Sorry, go ahead. Mas. No, go ahead. I'm just going to lead this in another direction, but go ahead. I was saying that I also feel that um, you feel the way you do about the fold in its current implementation. And we all know that that's going to change for sure. It's going to get thinner. The front screen is going to get bigger. So I feel that. In that scenario, once the outer screen is up to the right standard or the size, I feel that I would still prefer the Folds implementation all day long. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, three years down the road, two years down the road, you know, when they have perfected, well, again, um, let's see what Huawei does as well. But what I was gonna talk to you about was, uh, look at Microsoft's implementation. It's not a foldable, but there are two screens with a 360 hand. Right. So, you know, you're able to do and or whatever you want with that. Interesting mm. uh, with the Microsoft Surface Duo, which yeah. is not coming out until at least next year. But, you know, very, very interesting implementation. That's also something I'd like to just kind of play around with and see. It is it is interesting that Microsoft has decided that that's what they're going to get into in terms of phones. Like, you know, they've said for years, we're not doing a Surface phone. It's not coming. Don't ask us about it. And then when they finally do announce it, they're not doing a standard phone they're just going into foldables like straight away which i thought was kind of a kind of an interesting play for them they so they clearly see some sort of uh future in this also it would be very hard competing against the samsung's and huawei's in you know the same old tried tested form factor what would yeah. make them succeed if, in that crowded space so they have to do something different on there that's a good point that's true yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. So, so yeah, gentlemen. foldables definitely yeah. has legs, but not at the moment. Well, so this kind of leads me into my next point. As someone who now no longer uh, reviews smartphones for a living, uh, I am not uh, up to date with the latest and greatest of uh, flagship phones. Uh, and my Pixel 2 XL, which has been my daily driver for what, two years now? I don't even know, uh, is uh, starting to look a little bit old. So I wanted to. <laughs> Posit to the Council of Smartphone Elders, which i.e. you two, um, uh, some recommendations about perhaps uh, what I should upgrade to next. So uh, my, my phone carrier okay. here in Norway allows me to basically get one of those sort of 
trade-in deals where you can get a phone and then every year you can upgrade um, to the, the next sort of version or whatever you want, basically, for no, for no extra cost, which is cool. And they do it based on a, uh, like a, uh, you know, based on a, a zero money down pace of money a month for the phone. It's very similar to what it's like do, I suppose, but it's a reasonable price. So, so basically phone as a service. Yes, exactly. Exactly. In the way that I guess Apple does a trade-in program for iPhones uh, in other parts of the world as well. This is basically for mm-hmm. iPhones or things. So my dilemma is, and as you guys know, I'm a devout Pixel user. I love the Pixel. I would really love the Pixel 4, but unfortunately it's not uh, uh, available officially in this part of the world and would cost, I would say, about 5,000 dirhams to import. So it's kind of out of the question Jesus. for me in order to do that with uh, taxes and such. So uh, I would I'd like your opinion. I'm assuming you guys have probably played around with most of the newer things. But uh, this sort of like the new iPhone is obviously making a lot of waves. And uh, and I've had kind of my eye on the, 7, the OnePlus 7T Pro and or whether it's worth even going for like something from uh, Samsung. But obviously I'd just like to hear your thoughts on these phones. Uh, what sure. you guys would recommend. Vanish, I do you want to start? Okay, uh, I'll jump into this one. Um, okay, so I think that the um, the iPhone 11 Pro is uh, 11 Pro and 11 Pro Max are absolute stellar devices. Mm. Um, I have literally, literally no issues with my Pro Max. Mm-hmm. Because they took away the two biggest problems I had. One was a versatile camera and two mm-hmm. was battery. And right. I cannot tell you enough. Like, I don't care how many Android users are going to be like, oh, we've had great battery life forever. Yes, mm-hmm. I used to be one of those people. But like having an iPhone with stellar battery life is just the dream. It's the dream. A day and a half. Yeah. No questions asked. It's amazing. Yeah, the screen is great. Um, but that being said, I would say my pick for phone of the year is the Note 10 Plus. Really? Right yes, on. the Note 10 Plus. I have. I don't think I've enjoyed a smartphone as much as I've enjoyed the Note 10 Plus because of three main reasons. One, um, that display. The display on the Note 10 Plus is amazing, and. Because it's so bezel-less and because of how big it is, but like how big the screen is, but yet it's in the same form factor as this iPhone, the Note, the S Pen itself became heavily useful, heavily, heavily useful. Um, But um, when it came to the the camera, they've upgraded really well. Still not my favorite style of smartphone photography, but very good camera, very potent camera. And uh, last but not least, um, I think the battery life was good and they're shelling out updates constantly. So, um, so yeah, these, these three reasons, I think um, the Note 10 Plus is my pick for the year. Right on. That's, that's, a, that's a strong choice. And I feel like it's not something that you've, I know you've, you've traditionally been quite a fan of the Samsung phones, but uh, maybe for the last couple of years, it's not, it's not been gone that way. Are they still yeah. oversaturating everything with the screen as uh, as normal, or is it funny enough? Funny enough, everyone is in their own way. I so see. literally, if you have a Huawei, a Samsung, and an Apple in front of you, everything's oversaturated, but mm. in their own styles. So um, that's very interesting to see. Like, if I had to put it, 
in in a in a, in, in the easiest way possible. iPhone is also oversaturating, but not as much as last year. They've toned it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samsung as well, still oversaturating, still very heavy on those greens, but again have toned it down since the S10. Mm. Um, and Huawei, as always, just that absolute Chinese style of photography where blues are blue and greens are green. Yeah, so. Right. Um, so yeah, so um, it's it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So and and you've I felt no qualms going back to iOS or anything like that because I mean that's really my biggest thing is that you know I'm quite invested in Google's uh, ecosystem. Uh, I, I I like it a lot. I like Android. It's been a while since I've been on anything iOS. I mean I use a Mac at work and we have an iPad at home, mm-hmm. but it gets very very little use. Uh, so that's I, if I were to go back to iPhone, I think it would take me a little convincing. So in terms of the ecosystem, I think Abbas is better to answer that question. Mm. But for me, it was the, is the exact opposite of what you did. So in the past year, I have literally completely switched to Apple. I now okay. have an iPad, a, a Mac, an iPhone, AirPods, the whole shebang. So for me, the, sticking to the iPhone is just the easiest option of them all. Mm-hmm. But I think the ecosystem question, I think Abbas should jump in. Sure. Okay. So as far as my picks for the two best phones of the year, they're exactly what Danish said, but with a little bit of a, well, so I prefer the smaller versions of phones. Instead of the Note 10 Plus, I prefer the Note 10. And instead of the iPhone Pro Max, I prefer mm-hmm. the iPhone. And I'd switch them around. I'd say for me, the iPhone 11 Pro is the best phone of the year with the Note for the regular version coming in at a very close second. I think I'm kind of done with oversized phones. It's just that, you know, yes, I had I enjoyed them in the last year or the year before that. But I think now I prefer something that is very comfortable to hold in my hand, uh, easily pocketable, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think both the iPhone 11 Pro uh, and the Note regular Note 10 are great that way. Battery life, yes, I, I will completely agree with you guys that there is definitely a disadvantage in going smaller because of the battery life. But the way I've sort of positioned my lifestyle is I've got a wireless charger at home. I've got a wireless charger at the office. I've got a wireless charger in the car. So right. wherever, whenever I am, it's not going to be, you know, a whole lot of time between me needing to charge my phones or, you know, the convenience of just wireless charging is much better than sticking a cable in, in the phone. Both the phones support that. So, you know, for me, yeah. I would say the regular iPhone 11. So you're, you're never you're never leaving somewhere without 80% battery, basically. Exactly, absolutely, right. absolutely. So, enough. you know, that's all sorted. Coming to the ecosystem, uh, if you're a Windows user using an iPhone, yes, you won't necessarily enjoy all the perks that come with being in an iOS ecosystem, such as iMessage on your desktop or, you know, um, with the iMac, what they've done now is with the latest update is, you know, how Macs keep asking for permissions for things. You can now just double click on your watch to give that permission instead of typing your password on yeah. uh, on the iMac, et cetera, et cetera. So you lose all of those perks that sort of make the Apple ecosystem, sorry for using the word magical, but really you know, that's what it kind of comes down to. Um, but, but, but you know, you'll lose all of that. So you'll have a great phone. You'll have a fantastic phone with a great camera, a great screen, good battery life, all of that. But you'll kind of lose out on the whole perks that Apple provides if you're using their whole ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So what I'm, what I'm not hearing from you guys is that the OnePlus 7T Pro is where my money should go. 
I found that too heavy, too big and heavy. I just found it really? too big and heavy. Yeah. Right. I mean, because I've been interested because it's a it's at a decent price and it looks like aside from you know not having the greatest camera out there, it might be like the cleanest and cleanest version of Android that I can get that's not a Pixel. But uh, have, totally. you, have you? And it's super yeah. fast as well. It's it's mm. a fantastic phone. It's very fast. The 90 hertz display is great. Uh, but for me, it boils down to a the camera not being that great and uh, be just too big and heavy as a normal phone. So funny enough, funny enough, the 70 actually is the one out of all four phones they've released this year that has impressed me the most. Um, the, the 70, I think, is that real bang for buck. Um, uh, again, if you remove what Abbas said, which is the weight and the size in general, which I don't think you have an issue with, even yeah. the pros are very, very good model. But I think that that real bang for buck uh, actually comes from the 70. It's 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 a phenomenal offering. Uh, it is lightning fast. Um, the whole 90 hertz display thing, again, uh, not something that I mind when it's there. Not something that I miss when it's gone. Um, uh, more importantly, because you guys know I'm I'm a battery nut. So mm. when I did have the 7 Pro, not the 7T or 7T Pro, when I had the 7 Pro uh, on, I think on day four, I just switched off the 90 hertz display just okay. because I got better battery life and visibly better battery life. Not that it's like 5% more, 10% more. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, personally that did make a big difference, but yeah, the, I don't think you'd, you'd be making a mistake if you went with any of those phones. Uh, frankly speaking, I, I know a lot of pixel users who were on the two XL who are looking to upgrade this year and are considering the one plus because the pixel four is just nah, not happening. And, and if you have to spend 5,000, then God, no. Yeah, it's just it's unfortunate. So, uh, let me ask you this, Mike. If you sure. were, if you did have the option of Pixel, you know, with your mm. career, would you yeah. have chosen that? Would that oh, hands your... down, hands down. Uh, I think you know. I mean, okay, it's got you know, maybe it's not as big of an upgrade from the three as say it could have been, but and some of the stuff I think that they've announced, like Project Soli and like the astrophotography or whatever, seemed gimmicky to me. I'm 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 not going to deny that, but honestly, I think it looks gorgeous from what I've seen. I haven't, I haven't seen it in person, um, and I just you know I, I I feel like if I moved away from Google's version of Android, I would just be upset. Like for me, the way the way that the Pixel runs as a phone is perfect, and I think that's why I've, I've kept it around for as long as I have. I, I any other Android that I've tried, it it's so messy particularly Samsung, I just it drives me insane. There, you have to really like fight, fight with it in order to get it to do the things you want. And I, the Pixel is just, it's intuitive. Um, I, would, I would miss the fingerprint sensor because that's a, not necessarily for the actual unlocking capabilities, but for the ability to swipe down notifications and that kind of thing uh, would be my, my biggest uh, downside. But you know, it's a pretty looking phone and I would definitely go Pixel if I could. It sounds so like I you guys are less impressed, like, I think. No, I, you know what? When they originally announced the Pixel, I quite liked uh, what they showed. And uh, in fact, just literally a couple of days after that, I went ahead and pre-ordered one as well. Um, right. Google Fi had sent me a $100 certificate, you know, whatever credit. I was yeah. like, okay, you know, that's not too bad. Let me go ahead and do that. And then the review started coming out and the battery life was the biggest roadblock yeah. for me. 
um, you know, I was like, okay, the battery life is just too crap on this to sort of continue with that. I still went ahead with my order, didn't cancel it, but then right. for some weird reason, um, you know, my bank realized that I'm using a US address with a local credit card and they just canceled the order for me. Oh, they and I was like, fine, you know, if you're doing it, they did it for me. <laughs> so, so yeah, <laughs> my order got canceled. <laughs> exactly. I took that as a sign. It's like, okay, you know what? But uh, I, I am impressed with the direction that Google is there. I do like the design of it. I actually do like the whole Soli radar bit of it. I think there is plenty of uh, potential for this right now. Yes. It's, you know, I mean, they're just being a little gimmicky about it. Uh, but the fact that the phone can recognize your presence around it, I think that's fantastic. I think that's yeah. just a great, great, great future to sort of, you know, build phones into. Yes, and I suspect that's something that we'll see Apple start doing, particularly when you met, you know, you briefly mentioned it earlier with the AR, like this, you know, idea of ambient computing that Google has sort of adopted is something that's coming to all, to everything, right? Like Apple is definitely working on stuff like that. Um, uh, and I assume Absolutely. that, you know, can't, can't think that Huawei is in, and Samsung, well, we'll try and call it Bixby or no. something. But, uh, <laughs> Apple is working on it for sure because if we're looking at the U1 chip, which is what's been, if uh, Abbas, I'm right, right? It's the U1 chip, yeah, right? That's yeah. right. Yep, that's the one. The U1 chip is what they've popped into the 11 Pro and 11 Pro Max. Um, and I think, and there are rumors that even the next AirPods are going to have them and uh, stuff like that. I, I definitely think this whole business of your device knowing that you're around them is is in some way or another is definitely going to be implemented on all phones but jumping back just for a second um so uh, mike your carrier has the oneplus 70 pro for 389 euro is this euros no no this, no so this is the monthly price this is 389 krona which uh, oh. translates to uh three eight hang on i need to do the math uh, it's about like half, so it's a hundred and hundred and fifty-five dirhams a month for the oh, phone. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's really that's good. Not bad at all for twenty-four months. Yeah, and but what happens is in a year you can just upgrade to another phone. Uh, yeah, now, without having now to pay out the contract or anything. Very interesting, especially for you, and based on what you're looking for. Yeah, it it turns out to be a very very interesting deal because you get to keep it. You get to upgrade it constantly because mm. that's one thing I don't like about OnePlus, which is how many phones they have in a year. Um, right. Because it's not even like they have in various categories. Like Samsung has four releases a year, but they're all in different categories. This is just the same category twice a year, which really drives me mad. But yeah. if you have that upgrade option, obviously the T model is always the better one to have. If you have the T, uh, if you have that option, I think uh, the OnePlus 70 Pro, at least for the next two years, might be a good option for you. Well, this is it, and what I'm, my plan is to, you know, do this for for 12 months in the hopes that next year Google get their shit together and put out the Pixel in this part of the world, you know. So I just need something to tie me over until the Pixel 5, basically. But, uh, <laughs> Can you change the manufacturer of the phone you upgrade to? Or yes. How you yeah. Have yeah. To, to OnePlus. No, no, you can just upgrade to whatever you want. So I would whatever. highly recommend you go iPhone this year then, Mike. Yeah, yeah, and it's not too much of a bump in price either. It's like it ends up being about 300 dirhams a month and for the for the To Max, be honest, Mike, so you could even consider the iPhone 11. It's another yeah. great yep. phone. It's another yeah. great, great phone. Right. I, oh, you don't feel like you don't feel I'd lose something from the camera there without the without the extra lens? Or? No. 
I mean, unless you really want that ultra wide, no, I don't think right. so. Uh, I've got both. I've got the 11 and the 11 Pro. Right. And interestingly, even the screen, yes, if you put them side by side, yes, the OLED easily stands out. But uh, if you keep the iPhone 11 Pro aside and just use the iPhone 11 for like three days, you won't even notice it. You know, the yeah. screen is a fantastic LCD screen. I, I just don't think I can leave Android, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair it's enough. Just, I just can't. I don't think I could. Maybe. I, when I've had to, had some uh, colleagues around yesterday, and one of them has the new iPhone, uh, the, the 11 Pro Max. And it's, I mean, it is lovely. And they've just released some kind of weird AR thing, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's like, was it updated with like little AR emoji dudes? Or is that something that's always? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, so that was that's your uh, that's your emoji or an emoji or I don't right, know, whatever right. uh, who was calling that. Yeah, they've yeah. had that since last year. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe I miss miss on this. See, see how how out of the loop I am. So, all right, <laughs> gentlemen. In that case, to move to move things along, then and, and keep it, but still keep it on the same page. Uh, uh, Dinesh, you you've sort of pitched a little thing about here that with this, uh, with phones and the flagships, obviously. It's all good, but there's like really good competition within the mid-range segment as well. Yep. And and as a result, should people even be bothering with flagships? Um, I mean, for me, it's a little bit different here because we don't have many options for mid-range phones from carriers. <laughs> but uh, but like for instance, uh, going for the Pixel, the three A for is not or the three A XL is something that could be interesting to me. Um, I don't know how it is in in. The Middle East now, whether there's a big market for for mid range still, or are people just going all flagship? No, so I think um, the, I actually... the next battle is in mid, mid. If I was to just put in my two cents, I'd say that the next battle is in your mid range phones. But right. Spanish, please go ahead and you know tell us what, uh, what you think. No, no, I agree with you. The the, the the battle is absolutely coming to mid range because now what's what I feel is happening here is that you know when now for example let's take notches for as an example right. Uh-huh. When notches came around and when everyone bitched and whined about Apple bringing in the notch, but every single carrier first put it into their mid-range devices, because at the end of the day, especially on our side of the world, in the Middle East, in the subcontinent, in Eurasia, all these places, um, the, the mid-range is, 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 is a, uh, I would say, a the, the one place where... It was quite ignored if you really think about it for the past few years. And yeah. then it came around and then you have Huawei who start popping in like Kirin 980s into um, mid-range devices or rather 970s last year. But um, And then you have Xiaomi who's gone out of their way to make um, mid-range phones way more powerful, way more um, this. So um, I, I think that that's where the fun is going to happen because if you take the Pixel 3a or the Xiaomi or Redmi K20 Pro, these two devices this year have absolutely shown to people that you do not need um, uh, to spend the big bucks to get good features, to get a good camera, to get um, a a decent screen, great battery life. Uh, I think these have shown it. Even, for example, the way Nokia has been doing things, has been to show that, hey, you know what? A quality device can come from the mid-range. Sorry, Danish, I just want to quickly pause you for a minute. And can you define the price range you consider mid-range? Just so we're all on the same page. When I'm saying mid-range, I'm talking anywhere between uh, uh, upwards of 
uh, a thousand games, um, so three hundred dollars upwards. So three hundred to five hundred dollars is that the price range yeah, that you can yeah. mid range? I would say okay. so, yeah. Cool. I would say awesome. that, that's what yeah. I'm talking yeah. about. All right. Yeah, so it's because I think it's also, um, I think Huawei has also done a very interesting thing where they've started this business of elongating the life of their chipsets and so on uh, by keeping them onwards, like, you know, take it down. Earlier it was from Huawei to Honor. Then it became Huawei flagship to Huawei mid-range, Honor flagship to Honor mid-range and so on downward. So if we were to take uh, Huawei's latest release, which is the Nova 5T, on paper, that thing is quite a good phone, and I've, I've used it just for a bit, and luckily it has Android on it still, but um, same thing. I mean, for, for 1,500 grams, I think, it's it's a really, really good device. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable got, value. Yeah, it has. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And um, so the Pixel 3a, I saw it just for a little while um, in someone's hand uh, recently, maybe about a month ago, and I won't lie when I say I couldn't believe it because thanks to it being clean Android, it was super smooth. The camera was great. And I really couldn't believe the price. I just couldn't. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. You guys tell me. Uh, look, I mean, again, I, I don't have a whole lot of opinions about this. But from what you guys are saying, it, it, it sounds like it's a, it's a strong kind of pick out there. I think that the mid-range obviously makes... A lot of sense for most people because it's like the the quality of components is there you look at something like the pixel 3a which you know had the best camera in the world at a ridiculous price um for, for when it came out at least um and will continue to get you know constant updates from from for android up until i guess maybe the pixel 4a or the pixel 5a comes out or whatever so it may it, it makes a strong argument for maybe not for people not shelling out the kind of money that they would on like a you know a Note 10 Plus or a, a bigger iPhone, um, that's that's what um, I feel. If I was to sort of put a comparison to this, I'd say it's kind of like choosing the latest model of a car versus a two-year-old model. You know, unless right. you'll get all the benefits of that two years down the road. So you know, companies will reserve their flagship new features, et cetera, et cetera, for the premium range. And then those will trickle down over a year or two and become the mainstream, you know, where you do get everything. So you know, it just depends on are you that person who really wants the latest, greatest all the time, or do mm. you just want something that's fully functional and you know almost equally good in most measures. And you know, you just compare the iPhone 11 versus the iPhone 11 Pro, you know, $400 price tag difference. But honestly speaking, I don't think that justifies the 11 Pro. I don't think $400 extra, the, just the screen, an extra camera, you know, justify that. It's worth it, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think, I think you, so you've, I, really, you've really hit the nail on the head there, Abbas, where it is, it's about, you know, do you want the latest and greatest or are you happy with, you know, with what's good, right? Not not everybody exactly, needs yeah. to drive the Ferrari. Yep. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Although we don't like to, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I choose the Bentley. Yes. Yeah, fair. Yeah, because well, the thing with the Bentley is you have you, you can never drive a Bentley yourself. You have to have someone drive it for you. <laughs> or is that a Rolls Royce? <laughs> oh, I don't mind. I don't mind uh, driving yeah, one. Don't I mind have driving. no issues driving. <laughs> um, so, okay, you buy cool. one, Mike, I'll drive you around. Yeah, fair enough, man. Cool. Not quite yet, but uh, give me a couple of years. <laughs> um, so then I guess uh, 
that leads us into into the next thing is more talking about, I guess, OSs. Um, where you've written here about us about the future of Android and whether it's in jeopardy. I, I'm interested to to understand what you mean by that, because sure, I mean Android seems okay to me, but like clearly you have some qualms about where it's heading. It's not that. It's just that I think the whole nature of the work or the business has sort of bringing it or taking it over there. And this kind of started when I was listening to the uh, Microsoft keynote on the Surface Duo and Surface Neo introductions, right? So that kind of had me wondering why Microsoft is releasing two devices with different screen sizes with different operating systems. Not just that, but if you look at uh, Neo, which is the larger version of it, why are they looking into creating a whole new version of Windows 10 for it when Windows 10 exists, Windows 10 S exists, and mm. the hardware is clearly capable of running that very easily? It's not like we don't have hardware to run the full version of Windows and that form factor. So, yeah. you know, obviously they are looking to cut all the bloat out of Windows. Windows 10 X is supposed to sort of just lose the legacy layer. Uh, you know, it could be brought on as an add-on if the user wants to, but by default, it's just going to cut all the fat and be sort of this very lean looking operating system. So then the question then becomes, why does the Duo exist with Android? And we kind of know that, you know, Microsoft's failed at this game twice before with their original Windows Mobile and then, you know, Windows yeah. Phone. None of them managed to strike any any luck with the, with the mobile segment. And I don't know if, um, you know, this time around they're going to be able to do that or not. Again, just highly dependent. Um, but if the stars were to align and the Windows uh, Windows 10X does manage to get some traction, mostly because it's sort of a completely new form factor where you've got two screens sandwiched together, uh, you know, so they want to try it on a new device. It has that new sexy device appeal. Uh, yeah. And if they can get developers to develop for Windows 10X, I am absolutely sure that the next Surface Duo will have Windows 10X on it. Android right yeah. now is sort of a stepping stone for them. Uh, you know, if Windows 10X works, it will scale down to that. I mean, you know, they're identical devices, honestly speaking. There's yes. not much other than the screen size and battery. So yeah, they will bring that down to it. It seems, so it I think seems that like is, the yeah. kind of play where, like, let's do both and see which one people prefer, right? A absolutely. And then Absolutely. So that's stuff. one end. That's one end of it. And the second end of it is, unfortunately, the U.S.-China trade war, which is forcing Huawei to adopt Harmony OS now on its platform. Right. Uh, these are purely circumstantial. And I think if it does happen and Huawei has to move away, then look, it's China. Why wouldn't Chinese government then sort of encourage, well, encourage being the kind of word, to Xiaomi or OnePlus yeah. or Vivo or Oppo to adopt the same, which is sort of like becomes a national-wide uh, OS for China? to sort of put their phones on there. And China right now, but, well, not China, but I would say between Huawei, Oppo, Vivo, OnePlus, all of these brands, they have almost a 50% market share in Android right now between these brands. Yes. Keep in mind that if Samsung wants to sell into China or other non-Chinese brands want to sell into China, they're probably gonna adopt that Chinese OS as well because look, if the whole country is using that OS, doesn't make sense to release something that yeah. you know nobody is using. Yeah. And if, if the Chinese government can pressure or can get this going where you Android is losing a 40 to 50% market share on this Harmony OS and then Microsoft's coming in on the other side and saying that, wait a minute, if we can put in you know, Windows 10X and just fire that and then maybe gain another five to 10 or 15% market share on there, Android days look kind of numbered to me, which is funny ah. because it's the whole customizability of Android, which is leading to its downfall. I mean, you know, you've mm. got Microsoft putting its own 
skin on top, Huawei puts its own skin on top, Vivo puts its own skin, you know, you've got ColorOS, Emotion UI, One UI, whatever you want to have it. And if the underlying operating system changes and the end user simply seizes that user interface that they're already quite familiar with, Emotion UI in Huawei's case, you know, to them, all that matters is do the apps exist on this new platform? And yep. if you're looking to get a 40 to 50% market share out of the mobile phone market, there's a good chance that developers will make their apps, um, yeah. you know, sort of come on yeah, there. Gotta... One, very in yeah, one very interesting thing that happened recently is that of all the companies, Samsung is now pushing for web apps on its Galaxy store. This happened at Samsung Developers Conference, which was just right. last week. I found that very surprising that Samsung now wants to feature web apps on Galaxy huh. Store, which means that you literally just need a small wrapper with the whole web functionality of the app to work on a mobile phone. And if that's the future that we're sort of going into, app stores suddenly sort of lose out all yeah. the value they have. If you can literally go to a website, download the, you know, whatever device you're using an installer for it, get that application on your phone, then Bam, well, it's you know? it's better uh, for it's better for developers because then they don't have to pay thirty percent to Google. Absolutely, um, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah. and I assume maybe I don't know, uh, you know maybe this is tied into the upcoming world of five G that we're all going to live in because it's like then, you know, if five G works out to be as they say, things run faster, right? So maybe the the issue with web apps is that it can you know it's not as a it's not as stable or as reliable as a, as a physical app on your phone. Because you're you're relate you know you're you're it's only as good as the browser or the ability to run like regular internet. But if if five G works, then I guess the stability of of web apps is gonna is gonna increase a lot better. I don't absolutely, know, my... absolutely. No, and Mike, you're just one word short of the three buzzwords that I keep getting yeah. in my inbox <laughs> on a daily basis. We've hit AI, we've hit five G, blockchain. Just say that, and you've got my inbox. What about eight K? 8K, yes, of course, that's that's yeah. there too. But uh, you know, uh, that's exactly. things you probably don't miss uh, from from not part in of the, the world. Not in the constant fear. Yeah. Working, we're working in artificial intelligence. We got our own set of buzzwords. So don't worry One is fine. Two is tolerable. Three is uh, you know, three in the same <laughs> sentence is like guys, you know. Yeah. Everybody calm. Let's shut it down. We're going on. <laughs> um, yeah. But look, I mean, you're, you're so those are my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, your dystopian uh, view of the future of Android, uh, whilst when going into it, Abbas, I was a little bit wary. Uh, May, you know, you, you don't sound too far off, actually. There seems to be little forces at play that maybe uh, Google should be a little no. bit uh, worried about. Exactly. I mean, it needs to be a perfect storm. It needs all of those things need to happen for Android. To, I'm not saying Android is going to go away for sure. I'm just saying that if this happens and there is a potential that, you know, Android could lose out on its popularity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I also think that um, in terms of what we started this conversation with, which is that the whole business of um, web apps as well as uh, the way um, Windows 10S looks, uh, sorry, 10X looks, I think that um, Apple also kind of sees this happening, which is why um, they've spoken about a merge of the way apps will work uh, between, let's say, something like the iPad OS and um, your Mac. Um, I think that that also has to do with it because of the fact that they do understand that this whole uh, um, uh, people 
enjoy using this mix of devices. And then that also brings in the conversation of the ecosystem, which is where um, I think that that is all kind of moving. Because if we would even look at the fact, um, I forget what Samsung calls it, but I think it's called Microsoft Sync which is what they have with uh, their devices. Even that enables you to use your phone on your PC. And this merge of, let's just say, ecosystems that's happening everywhere is, I think, where the future of whether Android, iOS, or even Harmony, for that matter, is going to come down. Because when I saw Harmony on display on, the, on Honor's television, um, the one thing I noticed was how much it can do with your laptop, with your smartphone, or vice versa. So I think that that's one reason Microsoft is doing things the way it is, because that kind of is where the future or the evolution of the OS is. I think that um, it's, it's time that an OS was there that just worked seamlessly through devices, especially in this world of ecosystems. Yep, ambient computing. Yeah. It's coming, <laughs> but I mean, that's you know, not necessarily a bad thing. Like the ability, I mean, it's tricky because you want competition, right? Like it's good to have competition. It drives prices down, but at the same time, from a consumer's perspective, you just kind of want everything to work with everything. So Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't know they got to figure it out. And well, maybe that's web, right? Like maybe that's the open web. Yeah, the web's yep. existed. I mean, it's just Apple's push against it. Because even if you remember during the early days of Android, Google kept pushing for web apps to sort of you know, yeah. uh, become the dominant uh, apps on your phone. But Apple kept pushing for native. Mm. Uh, and maybe at that time, that was the right decision because the devices were a bit underpowered. Uh, right. But, you know, considering, you know, the level of performance we've reached on devices now, there mm. isn't any reason where web apps can't perform really no, well on your phones. Exactly, and as you said, put them yep. in a wrapper so they, so you know, you get a bit of a sh the, the the kind of glossy sheen of a proper of a real app, and then and then exactly. you're fine. Yeah. No, um, absolutely. Okay, so absolutely. moving on to to the iPad OS, then, because I, I my understanding is there's been a bit of a, a severe upgrade to to iPad OS, um, yeah. and Dinesh has posited as to whether they have a chance. Or this now gives iPads a, a, a you know a fighting chance to go up against. Uh, replacing laptops. Uh, have you guys both had a chance to play with the new version of iPadOS? About you start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think more than the iPad OS growing up, it's just that iOS itself has grown up tremendously in its uh, newest incarnation. And then Apple's added a few features that uh, that makes it easier to use it on an iPad. Uh, it's it's still iOS at the end of the day with just a couple of extra things. But having said that, I think the reason they've done that is now it gives them a great opportunity to sort of take iPad to a level where it sort of you know pretty much becomes a computer replacement as Danish sort of you know pointed out and honestly speaking um, so I've, I've done this experiment about two or three times now with uh, following the release of iOS 13 where I just you know left my MacBook Pro behind traveled with it and I will say that I was able to do almost everything but I didn't enjoy it as much I mean I still enjoy using my MacBook Pro more than the iPad in multiple cases, multiple scenarios. I think I'm just too comfortable and maybe probably too old to sort of switch my ways to, you know, 
yeah. a new a new shift of how a computer should be. Maybe the younger generation probably feels the opposite. Uh, but you know, yes, I, I think they're they're quite capable in terms of you know functionality. The MacBook Pro and the iPad. You know, that's that's just how I feel about it. So, as someone who's a little right. bit uh, a little bit removed from from this, what what are the new things to iOS 13 that are making it uh, easy to use as a computer? So it's like a, there's so a file now system now, access. right? Yes, absolutely. So okay. you now have a full-featured file system. You have uh, split-screen apps. You have uh, a lot more openness. So you can just plug in an SD card and you know import cool. things, work on that. It makes it a lot more like a computer. And all of these things work on the iPhone as well. There's nothing about the right. iPad that, you know, it's, um, unique, yeah. it's just that larger screen allows it to sort of have sure. all that flexibility. So then, who in that yeah, case so, should it should it be? Sorry, directly. <laughs> is it should it be Chromebooks that are worried then? Because that's kind of is that who Apple is going after with this? Because that's kind of Google's play, right? We're like, they'll get an iPad. You can't do. You can't be productive on an iPad. You know, get a. Oh shit! Hey Google, stop! Sorry, <laughs> I activated my uh, my Google Home. Ambient computing. Place. Ambient computing. <laughs> Ambient computing. Just always listening. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Chromebooks versus iPads. Uh, I think, yes. okay, so let me just quickly throw this in and then Banish can carry it forward. The new iPad with the same price as the older iPad, which is, I'm talking about the basic level, which is 320 odd dollars, right. now has that keyboard dot connector included or, or on it, you know, yeah. which allows you to easily slip a keyboard on it and start using it. And I think that's Phenomenal value. The Chromebook versus iPod, the argument always was that iPads are too expensive. Yeah. And I think with this new iPad, Apple is trying to bring it a little bit down. I mean, yes, the keyboard still costs a crazy hundred and whatever dollars. The stylus still costs over a hundred dollars, which is crazy insane. I think they need to bring those prices down. But yes, you're absolutely right, Bear. I think, Mike, they are taking a shot at Pixelbook with the new iPad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the Chromebooks uh, still don't have too much, not, not too much. I think they don't have to worry as much right now because the price will still um, be their advantage, especially with Chromebook working with brands like Acer, um, which are doing really well when it comes to uh, schools and education. Um, I think that that is something where um, Chromebooks are still okay because um, the 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 iPad is still an investment, even at $320 with the pencil, with the keyboard, everything, it's still a heavy investment. Um, but that being said, yeah, if Apple came down to it and said, you know what, we want to attack the education sector, we want kids to have this. Um, if anyone asked me, yeah, I would always say that, yeah, go with the iPad instead, just a safer, better, and more intuitive device. Um, but coming to Abbas's experiment, um, so I have done the experiment twice now. And I would say that um, I do feel that the Mac, just having your laptop or a Mac um, is just way faster. I do feel myself working way faster on it. But that being said, there is absolutely nothing that I cannot do on in my life for my requirements that I cannot do on my iPad today. Like even the other day, uh, so I have a pretty old Mac and the battery is not that great. I left the, um, the charger at home. As soon as I switched it off, literally just jumped over to the iPad and did everything the same way. Um, a little slower, uh, especially because with when I bought the iPad Pro, it was still on the old operating system. So I was like, okay, you know, so I bought it from a very tablet mentality. 
But today, if I actually think about it, if I had the larger one, the 12.9 inch with the keyboard that I have for it, I could leave my MacBook at home for sure, 100%. Right. That's really encouraging to hear. And it's nice to see that Apple are doing that because I think they've, they always try to carve out this like media consumption segment of the market for the iPad. But, you know, I think since day one, I remember when I purchased the first iPad when it came out, I wanted it to be my productivity device. Like that's what we've always wanted, right? Because it just makes sense. They're light. They, they you know, they look great. Uh, yeah. And they're, you know, just, it, they should be the replacement for laptops, but for some reason, Apple, I mean, I get, well, we know the reason because Apple sell laptops, but, uh, <laughs> but they've really dragged their feet on having this uh, beer thing. So it's cool that they're actually getting their shit together over it. Yeah, I think, uh, okay, again, I could be completely wrong on this, is that I think internally they were debating whether it makes more sense to bring um, map, to, uh, sorry, bring the Mac um, to the ARM architecture or yeah. improve the iPad where it can compete with the x86 architecture. Awesome. And I have a feeling that, you know, their internal SOC team just decided that let's just make this, let's just grow iPad into a fuller computer. It's probably faster, easier for them to do so. Uh, compared to just porting the whole Mac OS onto ARM. Well, wasn't that still that, happen? No, I don't know. Yeah. Well, wasn't that kind of like the joke, uh, like maybe a year or so ago, where they had the the regular iPad that had been refreshed, and the processor in it was so powerful, but it didn't have like the keyboard connector or anything like that. So you had this thing, which was essentially one of the most powerful computers, portable computers on the market, but was just gimped because all it could do was like watch Netflix and like you know browse yeah. the web. Uh, so you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Single core performance on the iPad is faster than your average Mac now. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, uh, and also the absolutely. Macs are a bit of a nightmare. I have a work we. I have one of the touch uh, touch bar MacBooks. It's a. I don't even know, man. It's a mess. It's got, <laughs> the keyboard's awful. <laughs> it's this weird thing that throws emojis at me every three minutes. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> It's like some alternate reality MacBook that I don't know who designed it, but uh, anyway, whatever. I love my Surface laptop. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm excited about the new Surface, the Surface Pro X, yeah, but let's save yeah. that discussion for next for another week or time. Yes, cool. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, that wraps it up a little bit for us, I think. We've done about an hour, but I would just like to kind of end something quickly that is a little close to my heart. Um, I don't know how much this affects you guys there, uh, or not even so much here, but like with regards to, to television streaming on the internet, we're kind of moving into this era. This, this is like a big sort of battle coming up, right? Netflix mm -hmm. is sort of the, the reigning champion of things. Uh, and Amazon is, you know, in the corner doing its own thing, which I, I think Prime is recent. Oh, no, Prime has been around in the Middle East for a little while. At least in the yeah. UAE, but but with the with the yeah. advent of Amazon coming properly, I guess they're probably pushing it a little bit more. Uh, and you you guys all have Prime subscriptions now, I assume, is how that or if you yep. didn't already. But like, um, and so, but as of this week, I think does Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus has released or it's coming very soon. I've been Next seeing a lot of week, I think first week of November. That's right, first week of November, and then shortly after that, Disney will be releasing its. Uh, not uh, in this part of the world. No, and I don't. I we may get it here, although I haven't seen anything specific. But it will eventually come. Uh, there's no denying. 
and yep. uh, and then obviously HBO at some point is also releasing its offering, which is HBO Max. So that, on my hand, that puts what like that's five, uh, six major streaming services, all vying for our attention, all between five dollars to ten dollars a month, depending on on who you're paying. Uh, wh- firstly, are you going to spend all the money? Like that's if it let's say that averages out to like 50 bucks a month, right? Which is not, you know, it's not an insignificant amount of money. It's a lot of content, but it's also a pain in the butt to like try and manage it all. Remember what's on what app. There's no way to aggregate it. I know Apple have tried. Um, How do you guys see this kind of video streaming war going? Do you see if there's a clear winner? Do you think Netflix should be scared? So any opinions? Okay. So I pay for Netflix on a monthly basis. Right. I pay for Amazon Prime through its subscription on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. I pay for um, Stars Play locally on a monthly basis as well. Uh, after, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to pay for Apple's uh, upcoming TV Plus service as well. That's Having coming to the Middle that, East, sorry? Just to, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is is releasing uh, next, uh, pretty much globally all around. Having said that, the app that I use the most to watch my TV content or my movies is Plex through a pirated server. Why do I do that? Because of the convenience of it. Yes, I'm happy to pay for the content. I mean, I'm 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 all up for content creators creating all this content, Mm. but the convenience of having all of that into one space, uh, you know, that just saves me the you know. that's that's just me. I'm yeah. happy paying about forty to fifty dollars per month for content. I'm completely fine with that. Uh, I don't know when Disney launches over here, but until they do that, I think my budget is allocated to these services. You know, that's something I say fine. You know, 180 dirhams a month, all my content sorted. Doesn't matter yeah. how I choose to view it, but it's there. Yeah, I mean, I I'm on the same boat about. I pay for Netflix now. Uh, I no longer pay for Amazon because I, they, we don't have it here, so I didn't need a Prime subscription any longer. But I have something. Well, I have a access to a Plex server, but I also use something called MB. And like the sheer amount of content that's available on that, and the regularity with which it is updated, I don't know who runs this thing, but it's like almost like this dude has a full time job doing it. Um, <laughs> and and. It's done. You make a request for a show that you want, and it's and it's and it's sorted within 24 hours. And I think that's that's whoever can figure that out is is going to win this, right? But the problem is, is that like they don't they don't want to. Well, Apple tried, right? Like that was yeah. That was the the TV app on the Apple TV is supposed to aggregate all this stuff and be like, oh, you want to watch, uh, whatever. I don't know. You want to watch Orange Is the New Black? Cool. You can just click click this button and watch Orange is the New Black, or you want to watch Apple's whatever morning show, you click and you can click that. But it's contingent on Netflix saying yes, on HBO saying exactly. yes, on Amazon saying yes. Exactly. And they don't they don't want that. They want you to use their apps, right? Exactly. Um, yep. I mean, what would be really great is a company like Plex, because, I mean, the, the sort of the elephant in the room with Plex is that, you know, it's supposed to be this media center that you put your own media, you know, you rip your Blu-rays and put them on there so you can watch them uh, conveniently. The elephant in the room is it's mainly used for piracy, right? But yep. maybe the play for someone like Plex to legitimize the business is to say, you know what, we have all the piracy stuff, but we're going to go in there and make deals with Amazon, with Netflix, with Apple, with Disney, and then have everything available on Plex. 
and I think. But if Apple couldn't do that, what makes you think Plex could? Well, I th because Plex is independent, right? The thing is with Apple, if Apple kept Apple at the time was still had iTunes, right, or still has iTunes, so they were making money off their own content or selling people's content. So I feel like Plex, to a way, is a more independent party that they're not making any content themselves. They're just acting as a as a middleman between everyone and saying, look, why not put everything on here? We can give everybody the chance to like view your stuff, you know, set up some kind of portal where people can then subscribe to uh, to these services within Plex. Um, I, you know, I could see that there would be resistance to that, but I feel like at least they must be trying. They do, it, for instance, they do it with Tidal at the moment. So Plex, you can subscribe to Tidal through Plex and have all the Tidal's catalog available through the Plex app, which is which is cool. It's really handy. Uh, and I'm a Tidal subscriber, but I use it through Plex because it's easier for me. It's a lot of my media's on there. Um, I I don't know. I would like. Sorry, go on. Now, on paper, that this all sounds great. This all sounds fantastic. But, Mike, you have to realize that it's not just the channel. Uh, when you look at something like House of Cards, which is a Netflix-produced show, yes. it wasn't allowed to stream on Netflix in the Middle East because HBO had bought the rights to that show. So, yeah. I mean, it gets super messy when it you know comes down to the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. And I think until we sort of move to a completely streaming service where networks just kind of die out, uh, you know, it, it will be messy, maybe yeah. 10 years into the future where every piece of content is produced by, you know, a streaming service and mm -hmm. who owns it across the globe. Fine. I can then possibly see someone like Plex aggregating and, you know, making it happen. But until that happens, it, I find it difficult. I think it's going to be very, yeah. very messy. No, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I just wish it would hurry up and happen because it's, you know, as I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm happy to pay for these things and I have, have paid for things for years. Uh, I'm happy to, but it's just getting to the stage now where for the things that I want to watch, I just want it all in one place. And and the yeah, fact yeah. that I can do that now at like an incredible level of convenience through, you know, slightly nefarious methods is like, well, if, if they, if, you know, if pirates can get this shit together, why can't the biggest, most, the biggest and richest companies in the world? That's why, because they're the biggest, because yes. they have all these norms and rules in place, which will not allow it. And like Abbas said, there's just way too many deals that take place every time yeah. a piece of content is made that it's, it's not that easy. Now, for example, I use Cyberflix, right? Right. The, the app is insane, insane. Like, I don't even know why I pay for anything anymore. It's got everything up to date in all quality, whenever I need. Uh, I've got it, uh, it, it doesn't work on iOS or Mac, but I've got it on my TV, I've got it on my Android phones, I've got it on my second TV. It just, it's there. The only thing it needs is like a user account and if it could just remember where I watched everything, which it actually does for like a day. I don't know how that works, okay. but it does. Right. But yeah, it's, 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 it, I think the aggregation is definitely going to be an issue and I think it's gonna be something that is going to I think someone will take the initiative to start it. Um, I think maybe a solution would be, um, again, this is going to depend from country to country, but maybe like a mixed packages thing. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not able to remember who just now packaged the service with Hulu. Uh, Abbas, do you remember who it was? Spotify. Spotify, there you go. 
So I think that there is there is a future for aggregation, but I think that right now there's also an arrogance in the market where like Netflix is just going to be like, guys, don't even think about it. Like we're too huge, and it's yeah. when things start to crumble a little is where because if you guys remember, if if we look at piracy from uh, I don't know 15 years ago, why why did why was it so rampant? Because just to get your content was impossible and expensive. And I think that with that rise, uh, which I think will happen again, um, I think that that is what could cause people to be like, okay, we need to sort I, this out. I agree with you, Dinesh. I think that's there's a reckoning coming for this because the reason that piracy kind of, you know, there was this huge outcry about piracy, what, like 10, 15 years ago, right? Yeah. People yeah, were yeah. outraged, torrents of the devil, everybody's going to go to prison for downloading a Metallica album. All this shit, and then, yeah, and then Netflix came along and democratized it and said, "You pay us five bucks a month, you can just watch whatever you want, whatever you want." It's cool. And everybody was like, "You know what? I can spend five bucks a month. That's easy." Yep. And then I don't have to do torrents, and it's a pain in the butt anyway to like manage the stuff, and I need, you know, so much hard drive space and all of this thing. But then everybody looked when Netflix gets successful at that. Everybody was like, "Well, we want a piece of that pie." Yep. We're going to do it as well. And now that everybody's doing it, we're back to the same problem that we had before. You know, exactly. you can't find the content easily. And now piracy, in order to like, to deal with this like uh, dispersion of content, has found a way to put everything in one place and make it easier for people. And again, piracy is now winning because it's it's the more convenient way to watch things. So yeah, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a snake that eats its own tail. <laughs> We should that's all just listen to music. Apple convinced. That's what Apple. That's how Apple convinced all the music labels as well with Napster and stuff eating all of exactly. their profit. Like guys, yeah, you know, ninety-nine cents a song. No need to buy a full album, and you'll you'll make more money. True. Yeah. True. And then, and then Apple destroyed... becomes a trillion-dollar company, and and they destroyed the album show. in the process. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Now we all listen to rap caviar playlists on Spotify. That's it. That also exactly. nothing longer than two minutes thirty seconds. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> otherwise the algorithm doesn't like it. Yeah. Cool. All right, gentlemen. Fair I think enough. I think that'll that'll be able to wrap us up. Unless there are any last thoughts on uh, on streaming wars. No, I think we did good. Uh, with the, yeah. This was a bit uh, lengthier in time than I expected it. But uh, it was uh, always, you know, yeah. I think we did pretty good. Cool. All right. Well, it, so if anybody wants to keep in touch with you, Bas, where can they hit you up? Uh, Aja Farali on Twitter. And you, Dinesh? Danny K55 on Twitter. I'm at Mike Priest, but I don't really use Twitter, so leave me alone. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Mike, you're the one who actually introduced me to Twitter, I don't know, like a decade ago. Or yeah, that's right. That's true. Man, that was a while ago. But there you go. I don't yeah. know. It's fine. There's a lot of hate on there. Um, but uh, so hopefully we can start making these a little bit regular again. Uh, well, yeah, if anybody has any questions, obviously get in touch. We're very happy to chat. Otherwise, uh, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been emotional, guys. <laughs> Always. No, it's been fun. It's been fun. We need to do Cheers. this again sooner. <laughs>